Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. I'm Bo Jackson, Media Editor at Campaign, and I'm here with Premium Content Editor Nicola Merrifield and UK Editor Maisie McCabe. Good morning. Hi, hello. We're going to kick off your week with stories you may have missed and what we have coming up next. Um, last week was a, a big week for Campaign as it was the launch of Campaign Canada. Where, where has that come from, Maisie? Well, Haymarket with Jones campaign bought a title called The Message last year in July. Um, And so The Message kind of built up, been founded by two editors, um, David and Chris, and they kind of built up the business on their own, basically built a following and a a bit of a subscription offering. And so Haymarket's invested in it to rebrand it to Mm -hmm. Campaign Canada, which happened last week. So it's got a new shiny website, lots of news, lots of content. Obviously, they're going to be building out the kind of dual subscription offer that we do as well. So they're going to have kind of data and intelligence as well. Um, So it all went live um, on Wednesday and um, it seems to be going well so far. So the URL is campaigncanada.ca and we'd like to check it out. Wonderful. That's great. We've got so much coverage now. It's really exciting to cover so many geographies, I think. Yeah, and there's some, you know, they've got some features that are around like how to break the US, which I think could potentially be interesting for people from the UK as well, because getting those US briefs can be really profitable Mm -hmm. for UK agencies. We keep hearing about agencies trying to make their break over there, isn't it? It seems like there's a new acquisition and then it's like, oh, but we're wanting to expand in North America. Yeah, so I mean, traditionally the fees paid in America are much higher than they are in the UK. So one of the ways that businesses have um, increased their margin is to do work for US clients from here. Um, And then obviously the next step, if you really want to grow over there, is to launch over there, which is one of the reasons why Uncommon sold majority stake to have us. Mm -hmm. Great stuff. So we'll be looking forward to seeing more from our Campaign Canada colleagues, I'm sure. So uh, one of the other biggest stories from last week, we had Fern Miller, Executive Strategy Director, um, announce that she'd be leaving RGA London and it follows some, I think, restructuring over there. Yeah, so basically, um, so Fern Miller is a very experienced strategist. She used to write a column for marketing when it existed, um, pre-merger days. And she worked at LBI, which then became Digitas LBI, and then is now obviously Digitas, uh, for many years. So she had a job as executive um, strategy director for RGA London. Um, But as part of changes last year, they've consolidated the London and the Germany offices into kind of one leadership team. So... As part of the changes, Megan McKenzie, who was Vice President, Executive Strategy Director, is now going to be Senior Vice President, Executive Strategy Director across Amir. Um, and so she'll be leading the sort of strategy across the two um, offices. It seems there there seems to be a lot of agencies moving to this regional model. And I don't know if any of you any, had any thoughts on that and on why they might be making such moves. I guess it's it's simplifying business structures yeah. i think it really depends on the agency and also on the holding company and their mix of clients so sometimes you'll have enough say local business to justify quite extensive local leadership teams and sometimes you'll have lots of share clients and it you could see why companies might decide that actually makes more sense to have a regional team. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the companies are moving towards, actually at the moment, a local market model. So Publicis obviously has had um, a UK structure for some time. Now it reports directly to Artur Sadoun, previously obviously had 
Annette King running that business. But WPP is going through, well, particularly Group M is going through changes at the moment. So they're going to be reinforcing, which you've written about, mm-hmm. uh, a UK structure, which will have the, the media agencies in the UK reporting through Group M in the UK rather than reporting up globally through their network. Um, so I think it really just depends on, as I say, like the balance of clients, um, the balance of offices, the needs of those clients, the needs of the businesses and the needs of the ultimate parent. Another big story from last week, we have Joe Bacon, Unilever Global Client Lead at WPP, joining MNC Saatchi as its chief executive. What's the background on this one? Well, Jo's a very experienced kind of agency and also marketer. So she's been at WPP running the Unilever team for some time since 2020. Um, and so she works on brands like Dove and Hellman's, um, you know, two of Unilever's biggest brands and also some of the most awarded brands. Um, and so she's been doing that alongside the ECD, Daniel Fisher. Prior to that, she worked at Reach as a marketer and also as a global client lead for IAG, which owns British Airways. Um, and previously worked as a marketer at Viacom, which owns Channel 5 and MTV, um, and then also was a senior exec at Rainy Kelly, which is now obviously VML. <laughs> You've got that right. So it was Rainy Kelly, um, Campbell, Rolf, why now? Now it's VML. So you came across Joe, didn't you, when you were doing your piece on um, the role of advertising to build brands? Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. We spoke to Joe um, for a piece we were doing, yeah, looking at how far revenue growth is occurring at brands and what, uh, you know, how agencies can help to deliver that through advertising. Um, and Joe spoke to us and was talking about uh, exactly how Dove's doing that, basically. So how, um, you know, Unilever's building platforms around specific products back with investment to um, try and, you know, and improve revenue and it's working. So obviously they've had the Dove Real Beauty platform, which launched in 2004. Um, whilst Joe's been working on it, um, they've got to a point now in 2022 where the brand is one of the three biggest ones owned by Unilever, selling more than 5 billion euros worth of products annually. Uh, so yeah, she's been working on some big... <laughs> yeah, some big... So she has some big challenges, presumably dealing with lots of uh, different stakeholders and kind of bringing teams together obviously it's sort of WPP slash kind of Ogilvy role um, and so I would imagine she'll need all those kind of diplomatic skills at MNC Saatchi so I've been covering MNC Saatchi as an agency uh, for at least a decade and you know it's safe to say there's been a lot of change at the business um, you know back in sort of 2014 they bought a digital agency and integrated that and that was supposed to be kind of the beginning of the the new future it didn't last that long, unfortunately. Um, and then, you know, they've been through a few different chief execs. In 2020, um, early 2020, pre-pandemic, they merged with Leader, which was previously like an award-winning direct agency, in order to build an agency kind of of the future. But actually, if you look at the numbers, the size of this combined agency, now it's, you know, it's significantly smaller than the two shops were separately. Um, so Camilla Kemp resigned last year and they've obviously taken quite a long time um to get the right person and as i say joe's had this really varied career so um, i'm sure she's got loads of skills and experience um to lean on in the new task so a lot a lot to take on then. a, a lot to do but yeah no she's a really capable really engaging kind of you know charismatic leader so i would mm, yeah be, yeah it'd be really interesting <laughs> one of the things is they're still looking for um, a uk cco so they've got a creative partner, Guy Bradbury, but they they did say, so MSC Saatchi is listed in and of itself on the stock market. Um, and so they did say, I think, in a filing 
um, last year that they were still looking for a UK CCO. So I'd imagine that Jo will get kind of right into that search as well. Uh, I don't know if it'll be her decision, but you would expect her to be part of that um, decision-making process. Looking ahead to what we've got coming up for the rest of this month, we have the TV Advertising Summit coming up on 27th of February. I'm really looking forward to this one because I'm getting really stuck in. You've thrown me in at the deep end with this <laughs> Sorry, one. It's going to be really good. Uh, Giddy and I will uh, co-hosting it and there's there'll be two separate streams one on creative excellence and one on tech and metric mastery um, we've got a great list of panels really fascinating speakers from dominoes right move um paramount all talking about where tv is heading and also i guess to kind of attempting to define um tv as it's now not just linear anymore We've had another speaker added to the agenda recently. Uh, Maisie, do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so really exciting. At the Towards the end of the day, I'm going to be interviewing James Strong, who was the director of Mr Bates versus the Post Office, which obviously a hugely successful drama on um, ITV in the early New Year. It's been such a sort of influential programme, obviously using telly to tell a story that had actually been told in different ways before, mm-hmm. um, but without the impact that it had when it was on commercial TV and as a drama. So James is going to be talking about like the power of commercial drama um, and obviously, you know, both with society and also, I guess, the, the kind of add-on emotional multiplier effect um, for brands that are supporting mm-hmm. it for advertising. It's just always nice to see these moments as well that advertisers really want where it's actually everybody's watching it at yeah. the same time. <laughs> on, yeah, exactly. On, on linear as well. Yeah, and did huge obviously numbers. Obviously was backed up on, on ITVX and everything as well. But Yeah, so there was a bit of, yeah, there was a long tail, but, you know, there was definite moment of whether it was those four days or, you know, the subsequent sort of two weeks that a lot of the country watched it. And, and to see the impact that the show had on, you know, the politicians was mm-hmm. yeah, quite... Stark, um, you know. Obviously, it's amazing that we're moving to a situation where all these people are going to get some, hopefully, some more compensation and kind of some more justice. Um, mm. It's amazing they took this long, but it also speaks to the power of commercial TV. That mm. that's what was delivered by this show. And B two B journalism. And B two B journalism. Out of that, that was our our takeaway. Oh no, definitely. I mean, you know, the the work that was done by you know Computer Weekly, yeah. you know, sort of over a decade ago, was fantastic. It was the TV show that really made the yeah. difference. Um, and you know why that is is something we'll discuss. And that you know, um, you know, and thank God, I guess, for the people that that things are moving more quickly now. I'm really looking forward to it. Want to know what makes the biggest brands in the world tick? Check out Performance Marketing Unlocked. It's the podcast from PMW, sister title to Campaign Magazine, and it delves deeper into the performance side of marketing and finds out what really drives the leads, clicks and sales behind some of the biggest brands in the world. From social media and AI to CTV and the Super Bowl, we catch up with the biggest news of the week and speak to guests from the top of the industry and at the heart of its biggest issues. Make sure to check us out at performancemarketingworld.com and follow to keep up to date with the latest Performance Marketing Unlocked episodes. Some essential reading, I would say, for anyone coming to the TV Advertising Summit is the Digital Advertising um, saviour of linear 
TV feature from last week, Nicola. So can you tell us a bit more about this and where it came from? Yeah, sure. So this is um, a feature that um, we have on the site now. Um, and it kind of was, you know, off the back of, unfortunately, I mean, Channel 4, there's been a lot of talk about cuts, but also they've got their new fast forward strategy that was released at the end of January. Um, and this is their latest iteration of plans to become a digital first public service streamer by 2030. Uh, so we wanted to, you know, use that as a reason to look more broadly at, um, you know, the decline in the linear um, TV ad market, whether that could actually be bolstered by, uh, you know, more um, ad revenue coming through digital TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's all about to what extent UK broadcasters are sort of turning their businesses models around uh, and increasing those revenues. Um and it was really interesting because we spoke to um, lots of media planners and buyers and um, and it's clear that there is a lot of work going on um, to make broadcast video on demand and digital platforms more appealing to brands. But there mm. are still lots of issues to resolve. Absolutely. I think it's um, no, it's a it's a fascinating feature. I think one of the things that I was taking away from it and you've got Paul McGee, uh, good stuff uh, quoted as part of it. And one of the things that one of the points he makes is the lack of um, clarity, I guess, of when you're looking at SVOD or BVOD compared to linear and what that could create in terms of the quality of content that we're going to see across, which I find really exciting. I'm like quality programming, but also quality adverts. Well, yeah, exactly. Because they need to, it's, you know, going hand in hand. So like you said, there's you know, lots of issues that were pointed out, like a lack of transparent audience data. There's also the kind of complex trading arrangements for um, digital TV as well. And then um, then you've also got challenges of working with social media platforms. Uh, it was suggested in the piece that maybe broadcasters will have to sacrifice some margin but make a volume gain um, when it comes to placing ads there. So, yeah, and then there's also, as you mentioned, the competition from um, subscription video on demand services. Um, so lots going on, but but then the solutions are also around UK broadcasters working together. So we talked about in the piece C Flight, mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. metric um, it, which deduplicates total reach and frequency across the near TV and broadcast of the on demand. That's fully launching next month, and then also a new platform in the UK, Freely, Freely yeah. yeah, which is going to host both live TV and on demand content across the major broadcasters. So BBC ITV. Channel 4 and Channel 5. Um, and, and again, in the piece that was suggested, that would underline the quality of free content to audiences, which will then make it attractive to brands as well. So it seems like everything is moving in the right direction, but the key is that broadcasters are working together. Um, the main challenge is whether it's quickly enough, as um, Channel 4's chief executive noted um, when she was unveiling her plans, that you know the, the pace at which this is happening is... Yeah. is very fast so. <laughs> it is yeah, yeah it's it's hard to keep up isn't it and and try to uh lead the charge on that we've got it's got a good mention of mr bates versus the post office as well continuing our theme yeah. as the moment of the moment of the year so far i guess and in, in tv so it's another challenge yeah how how do you create those kind of moments if you know in can, i'm always interested that. in that actually can you can you create it i feel like sometimes it's there's a heavy dose of luck in there with it you just don't know quite how it's going to hit the zeitgeist is it going to hit at the right time yeah and getting all you know it's the numbers of people watching yeah. it at the same time as well so 
Okay, I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you both for joining me. If you'd like to learn more about what we have been discussing today, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk. Details of our subscriptions are available at campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership. If you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us, like us and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. A big thank you to Haymarket Studio Manager Nav Pal and producer Till Owen. Thank you too for listening. I hope you'll join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye.